Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Tom Townsend founded Pianos for People in 2012. He was a retired advertising executive, and he wanted to connect kids with free pianos and free piano lessons. Seven years later, Pianos for People is still going strong, as our producer found when she visited class at its Cherokee Street headquarters on Monday. Okay, let's take it from the beginning. From the very beginning, everybody. Everybody got your parts? All right. And remember, there's four beats to a measure because it's 4-4. Four, four. All right? One, two, one, two, ready, and... But this fall, Pianos for People is in the middle of great change. That founder, Tom Townsend, died last month, just two weeks after being diagnosed with a rare, aggressive form of cancer. And that's within the same month that the organization's executive director, Sheena Duncan, departed in order to spend more time with family in Australia. But Pianos for People remains committed to its mission, and it has a new executive director here to talk about his plans for the organization. Matt Brinkman, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. For those of you listening, has your life been touched by Pianos for People? How so? You can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Matt Brinkman, this really has been a month of enormous change for Pianos for People. Has it been just overwhelming to step into the middle of all of this? Uh, it's it's been a difficult period for the organization, definitely, um, and an, and an interesting time to yeah come into the middle of this. Um, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of grieving going on. You know, Tom meant so much to the organization, um, so it's really a chance to kind of recommit ourselves to the work and and carry on his legacy, which is what everybody's you know really really I think committed to doing. How well did you know Tom Townsend? Unfortunately, I only had one opportunity to meet Tom, and that was at my interview. Um, you know, we, we connected immediately as, you know, so many people, I think, who met Tom for the first time probably say the same thing. He was just that kind of person. So, um, And was he ill at that point? Uh, he had not even been diagnosed at that point. Um, it was only two weeks, you know, from the time of the diagnosis until he passed. So, yeah, none of us knew at the time, you know, what was what was going to happen. So, so the organization knew it was preparing to have a new executive director, but here, this guy who had really been the face of it and the vision of it, um, nobody had any idea at that point that he was on his way out. Yeah, I was really, you know, looking forward to working with Tom, you know, as part of the as part of the job. So, um, obviously, that's not part of the job anymore, but. Uh, you know, it's it's something that we've just all we're dealing with, and and we're going to carry on. How much did he have to do with the day to day of things? 
He was pretty hands-on. I mean, everything, you know, everywhere we look around the, you know, the studio down there on Cherokee Street, um, I mean, his paintings are over the walls. He was an avid painter. He loved that. Uh, he'd certainly left his mark on everything, um, you know, just designing. I mean, he was a he was a visual artist as well, so he had a lot to say in just how the place looks. And you know, so many um, being the the leader of a advertising agency, he knew a lot of people in the creative industry. So there were a lot of connections just you know throughout the building, really. Yeah, I know he's he's just really going to be missed. And yet, this organization that he built, it does carry on. When did you realize that this was something that you personally wanted to be a part of? Well, I was familiar with the organization for years, um, you know, just having heard about the great work that they're doing and, you know, being a part-time musician in town myself. So um, I was I was familiar with their great work, and I just, you know, the opportunity came up. Um, to combine, you know, my professional background, which is primarily in nonprofit management, with something having to do with music, which has always been my passion. So it was kind of a dream job for me. Yeah, it does sound like you were almost like uniquely tailored for this. You had both aspects of it. I, I would like to think so. Hopefully other people agree. Yeah. <laughs> what, what are some of the nonprofits you worked in before this? Uh, I was at the Science Center for a long time in a variety of roles there, actually almost 12 years there at the St. Louis Science Center. Uh, from there, I was with the Convention and Visitors Commission for about seven years um, and then moved on to Great Rivers Greenway and the Gateway Arch Park Foundation. So I was involved in some of the opening events that happened down on the riverfront and uh, trying to, you know, activate those new public spaces that came on as part of the City Arch River Project. So uh, And also spent uh, some time working at the Sheldon. Um, so that was a, more of a background in music, and that was where I actually first came up, you know, became familiar with Pianos for People. Now, you also mentioned that you're a part-time musician, which seems a little bit too modest. You were actually a founding member of one of St. Louis's most beloved bands. I would like to think they're still beloved, yeah. They're a funky butt brass band. Um, we started that up. Uh, it's been over 10 years ago now, so I was with them for eight years. Um, sort of retired from the group a few years back. Um, what made you and, want to step back from that? They certainly continue to play a ton of gigs. They oh, have yeah. no shortage of work there. Well, you know, it was time to turn it on to a younger talent um, and uh, pass it on. And, and uh, you know, those 2 a.m. gigs were just not quite as much fun as they had been when I started. So You were, you were out of that uh, stage of your life. Yeah, you know. Um, but I still, I still love, you know, keeping in touch with the guys and playing occasionally. They bring me out every now and then just so I don't completely forget how to play, which is great. So I understand your instrument in that band was a sousaphone, and this might be me being super ignorant, but what even is a sousaphone? <laughs> this is always a great opportunity for education. See? <laughs> That's right. I got uh, a good job that way. The uh, sousaphone is the marching band version of a tuba, so you are very familiar with them from any high school marching band, college marching bands. It's it's the tuba that you see in a marching band with the big overhead bell and everything. It's meant to be played while walking are standing in my case. And so is this just a case of um, the band wanted you to stand up? That's why they couldn't just have <laughs> you playing a tuba? Or <laughs> they just like the sound of sousaphones? Yeah, it's kind of, you know, if you're a purist about the New Orleans brass band kind of tradition, um, it really has to be a sousaphone. So, okay. you know, I didn't argue much. So how did you originally get into music? Are you one of these kids who you started playing when you were super young? 
Um, pretty much, yeah. I mean, we had an old um, pump organ in our living room growing up, which was kind of fun. Um, How does one get an organ in one's living room? Yeah, I don't know. It was my dad refurbished it for my mom, who had been a piano player. So you know, it was always music around. My parents were piano, were uh, music lovers certainly. Um, so actually, guitar was my first regular instrument, and then got into the tuba as early as fifth grade in school bands. So. How did you even begin to haul around a tuba as uh, a fifth it was, grader? It, I think it was actually bigger than I was when I started yeah so it was it was a bit of an effort but that was mostly playing seated so it oh, was yeah. it was uh 20 some years later before I got into the yeah before I got into the full brass band thing before you had to carry your, yeah. your instrument with you um now I understand you're also a self-taught piano player how does someone possibly teach themselves something as complex as the piano see I have to be careful with this now that I'm the director of a piano school with all my wonderful piano teachers yeah. I sh- so I should say first of all there is no substitute for a good piano teacher um, but having a musical background already in these other instruments certainly helps having the theory um, and the ear for it is really, you know, what I rely on, and maybe I'm blessed to have that. Um, <clears throat> but I was always, I always struggled to read music, no matter what instrument I was playing. So I, I always had more fun with music when it was just by ear. Um, so that's kind of how I play now, you know. And it's really mostly for composing music mm-hmm. and making things up. Um, the joke being that as long as you're playing something you made up, nobody can tell you if you're playing it right or not. So... Yeah, that gives you a little bit of an advantage uh-huh. over your critics. Um, how old were you then when you first started dabbling in piano? Oh, gee, I guess I was I was a teenager at the time, um, high school, I would say, when I first started, you know, playing around on a regular basis and just learning chords and things like that and applying what I had learned from other instruments. So. And do you still play for fun? Oh, yeah, almost every day, um, if I can, if time allows. Um, I find it very therapeutic. I think that's you know, that's one thing that really drives me as far as um, Pianos for People is wanting to share, you know, how much it means to me to be able to do that with people who may not have the same opportunity to do that. So um, that's really what we're all about is making sure that, you know, if somebody can't afford a piano or can't afford piano lessons, they have the opportunity to learn how to do this and benefit. And it seems like the piano might be uniquely therapeutic in the way that, say, a tuba or a sousaphone <laughs> is not. What What about the that particular instrument, do you think, um, is such a draw for so many people? Well, I think, you know, once you have heard how powerful and expressive the piano can be, the fact that you can play, you know, both the bass part and the treble part of the melody part at the same time, so you're sort of like a band all in one in that sense, um, I think that has a lot to do with it. The complexity of it, you know, it does take longer. I mean, you could play a tube and play one note at a time, which can certainly get complex, but nothing compared to playing with 10 fingers all at once. So, We're talking to Matt Brinkman. He's the new director of Pianos for People. We need to take a quick break, but we'll be back shortly to continue this conversation. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Welcome back. We're talking to Matt Brinkman. He's the new director of the nonprofit organization Pianos for People, which is based on Cherokee Street and also works in North St. Louis County. Now, the heart of Pianos for People is its pupils. And earlier this week, our producer Evie Hemphill spent some time with one of them. Her name is Hadassah Stone, and she's become quite the pianist in a very short amount of time. Uh, Let's listen.
Hadassah Stone has been taking lessons at Pianos for People for just about two years, so it might come as a surprise that she composed this as yet unnamed piece for an Intersect Arts Center event last week. When the 18-year-old isn't busy working and saving up for college, she can be found spending many hours at a time at the Ivories. And a lot of times, she's improvising, coming up with a melody right on the spot. I could just sit down and say, okay, I'm going to pick a key, maybe, like, what's a key? Um, G. G, okay. So I'm just going to pick a key and I'm going to just play something, like... Tell me you've ne- you you hadn't played that before. No, that's just like chords, just whatever happens. I asked Hadassah to tell me more about what's led her to this place creatively, and it quickly became clear just what a difference her involvement with Pianos for People has made. I think Pianos for People is unique because, for one, music is a voice, and it's a language, and it's a universal language, and without that, some people just can't communicate. At least I know I couldn't. Um, and they give people who wouldn't be able to afford lessons or a good piano an opportunity to have a chance to, whether they actually get into it or not, they still get the chance to kind of learn this language. So I feel like that's really good. It's positive for people, especially young people, to be able to um, channel their energy into something that isn't hurting anyone, it's helpful, it's beautiful, and gives him a purpose. In addition, the piano has brought a kind of clarity and calm to Hadassah's sometimes hectic world. So I have eight siblings, and a lot of animals, and a lot of siblings, and so the house gets really rowdy sometimes, and noisy, and I really can't take lots of motions and noise and all that stuff without getting really, like, over exploded in my head. Um, I don't know what to say about that. So sometimes I'll just sit down at the piano and start playing something to try to calm everybody down because at least with the animals it almost always works. Like if I start playing the piano they'll all come and just sit around me and lie down and just kind of go like this and look at me with their head on the side. And at the time I think it was more like wasn't really all the big arpeggios on the end or anything and it calmed everybody down so it did its job and then I just kind of turned it into this big composition so and what's it called again a little journey
Along with growing her knowledge of the piano the past two years, Hadassah also got to know Pianos for People's founder, Tom Townsend, who passed away just last month. Like the rest of the Pianos for People family, Hadassah is really missing him these days. Tom was a very good friend. He was just like the sort of person that he walks into the room and he's friends with everybody instantly just because he's that type of guy. There was this one event that they had at Pianos for People called the Piano Slam Jam or whatever, and that was like his thing. He would literally sit at the piano and they had a band that comes in and a drummer and a guitar player and Tom would sit at the piano and anybody from the neighborhood could just come in and he would sit them at the piano and show them how to like, they would play a song and he would like instruct, all right, now play this key, now play that key. Now, like you didn't have to know anything about piano. He would literally talk you to it so you could play in a band. Hadassah says it's no overstatement to say that Pianos for People has changed her life. Before this, I didn't know what I wanted to do in life. Like, I wanted to become an airplane pilot, and then I was like, no, I'm going to be a barista. And then I was like, no, I'm going to go off and start some thing. And, and yeah, I had all these plans, but then I was, none of them were really like anything I could actually do right then. And then I always had, mu- I've always wanted to do music. I just never thought I would necessarily do it professionally. But when Pianos for People came along and I started actually like learning it and getting into it, I was like, I think this is what I want to do with my life. So I plan to go to college and study piano of some type, composition. I really want to get into composing for films, especially because when I, when I just like play, people are always like, that sounds like a film score. And it really kind of does because it always tells a story like, it, it's like I can play emotions, I think, better than I can talk them or whatever. That was Hadassah Stone. She's an 18-year-old student and also now sometimes doing some instructing at Pianos for People. Matt Brinkman, I know Hadassah's not alone in finding her calling through these lessons. What are some of the other success stories that this organization has had? Well, you know, it's um, we do have some prominent success stories as far as some kids who have really e- excelled at the piano and have gone on. We've got one former student <clears throat> who's now at the Berkeley College of Music, which is a big deal. Wow. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, after Juilliard, that's sort of it as far as being a music school. So <clears throat> so that's a huge success of ours. But, you know, it, the goal of the organization has never really been to turn out piano virtuosos. It's the kind of you know, affect the other parts of their lives. And it just, you know, there's all this research coming out. It seems like every week or every month there's a new study showing the benefits of music education and particularly of playing an instrument. Um, you know, all this this brain science that we now have access to that is that is confirming, you know, what people have thought about. I mean, it improves math scores and just cognitive abilities and hand-to-eye coordination and just kind of the list goes on and on. Um you know, and I think in the case of, you know, kids who are dealing with some tough situations, um, there's some of the fascinating studies have shown that it actually, you know, improves your ability to get in touch with your emotions, as Hadassah touched on a little bit, um, and just, you know, empathy towards other people. I mean, there's something about 
creating music and hearing it um, that allows you to express yourself in ways that sometimes, you know, words just don't do it. Mm-hmm. Hadassah also talked about having eight brothers and sisters, which <laughs> sounds like a lot for anyone to deal with. What kind of backgrounds are the kids that your organization deals with? What, what are they coming out of? Well, so we we do this for primarily low-income families. Um, like, I think 92% of the families or the kids, you know, come from families that have, like, less than $25,000, you know, household income. So so there are, you know, some income requirements for this. Um, and, you know, a lot of situations go along with that. But it gives them an outlet. Um, it gives them, a you know, a creative expression opportunity um, and and kids really blossom once they get that so um, but you know there's there's a lot of realities that we have to deal with as well um, we kind of keep the big picture in mind um, one of our uh, piano teachers has a master's in social work so you know we kind of serve as a as a resource and a reference and you know just whatever we can do you know to help kids just have a have a childhood you know but um we're getting more and more into, I mean, helping adults as well. You know, it's not just kids. We've got some adult students. and They're coming in for piano lessons. Sure, yeah. I mean, a lot of the benefits, you know, that science is proving for kids, I mean, it applies to adults as well, especially older adults. You know, just anything, you know, keeping your brain active is more important for all of us, apparently, than we thought. So it's it's a good idea for anybody. Are these people picking up the piano for the first time, or maybe they've had lessons years and years ago? And A little of both. You know, we go, um, it's kind of a broad range. We, we get all, all types of folks with all varying degrees of experience, um, and we've got a teacher to match up with at every skill level which is great. Typically, the beginner students will start out in a group class. Um, so kids will come in, and by group, it's a small group. It's five to eight students generally. Um, mm-hmm. And if they progress beyond that and show a lot of progress, then they move into a, a private one-on-one lesson with an instructor. And that's when that's when they seem to really kind of take off. You know, if they have that kind of commitment to it, then, then good things start to happen. So I read in some recent something that you guys have now given away more than 270 pianos. Tell me how that part of all this works. That is how this all originally started, actually, as a piano donation program. Um, the idea being that we connect pianos that need people with people who need pianos and cannot afford one. So and Some people um, really just are trying to get rid of a piano. Yeah, that's... that's that's the, actually the challenging part about a piano donation program is, sadly, there are a lot more pianos out there than there are people who want one. Mm-hmm. So part of, you know, after we started the organization with that being the primary focus, we gradually moved more and more into education so that we can hopefully, you know, increase the demand for the supply of pianos that is out there uh, and teach more people how to play. What if you've got a kid, I mean, you talked about some income levels that are, are very low here, and these are probably people where it doesn't make sense to move a piano into a rental housing situation where they might be moving again quickly. How do you deal with that? Um, we, we do also give away a lot of electric keyboards, which is a, um, very popular, especially, you know, for families that might live in an apartment. Um, you know, you can play with headphones on. Uh, that is very I, nice. Yeah, definitely a benefit there. Um, so, yeah, we'll work with them. Um, we deal only with the smaller pianos, the spinet and console kind of pianos, not, you know, baby grands or full old uprights or anything like that. So we have to be very um, particular about the pianos that we take in the donation program. Just we have limited storage space and limited resources to refurbish them. 
if needed. So we're really pretty choosy about the ones that we take. So it sounds like you've got pianos coming out of your ears. That is not at all the challenge of this organization is finding more pianos. Right. We, we probably get a call almost every day from wow. somebody who, who wants to get rid of a piano. So Are yeah. these people that they just don't play? They've given it up? or th- Yeah. In a lot of cases, yeah. Somebody's remodeling their house or they're moving or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, it's there are a lot of them out there. So, mm-hmm. Well, and here you guys are bringing up this next generation of people who might want to play them, even if now they can't take the piano off your hands. Uh, what's the biggest challenge in terms of getting kids into something like this that requires really so much practice before you get much of a payoff? Well, if anybody, you know, anybody who took piano lessons as a kid knows that it's, I mean, it's just a challenge. You know, it, it challenges your perseverance and your patience with yourself. Um, it's it's not an easy thing to just pick up on. So, um, How do you push past that where a kid's <laughs> just going, that's it, I quit? <laughs> yeah, well, you just try to, you know, if you have a good teacher, you, you just build in those little rewards along the way. Um, you make it easy for them to to stay engaged by actually making sounds that sound good. You know, at least with a piano, if you push down that key, it's going to make a nice sound. It's not like a, you know, a guitar or something where you have to struggle just to make the notes at first. So So we're catching you here at the very beginning of your tenure running this organization. And I'm sure you have all sorts of things in your head of, of where you want to take it and what you want to do. But as you're looking to the immediate future, what's what's your goal for the next 30 days? Well, we need to, um, you know, we'll be looking at next year, obviously, and, and just trying to think of what it's going to look like. There's a lot of, you know, after all these changes that we've had, um, we do have the capacity to um, grow the piano schools, particularly our Ferguson location, which is currently just three days a week, uh, Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. So we've got some capacity to grow that um, and some opportunity to do so. Um, and then, the, you know, we'll get back into the piano donation program. That's been on hold for a little bit here. So once we get back into that, probably in January, um, and get that whole thing going again. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities out there. I'm really interested in, in um, you know, just exploring the big picture of other organizations in St. Louis and all the great work that people are doing to address some of these same community issues that we are. Uh, and possibly partnering with them in some ways. You know, the piano is our tool, but there are a lot of organizations using a lot of tools out there. So I look forward to exploring, yeah, partnerships with other organizations and just increasing our our, uh, value to the community, hopefully. Well, it's really exciting to hear that um, that the work continues. So Matt Brinkman, mm-hmm. Executive Director of Pianos for People, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. It's been great. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio 90.7 KWMU.